Jesus, we thank you so much for this time of being gathered together. And uh, Lord, I'm just so thankful for this church and for um, your spirit over this church. Father, I pray that as we dive into 1 Corinthians this morning, um, you would open our hearts and our minds to receive uh, what you have for us, Lord. Lord, when we come here to worship you, it is not just us trying to give something to you because you have it all. Lord, we are just receivers of your love and your grace and your mercy. So I pray that we would receive this. And Lord, that your word would come through me. Let it not be me up here sharing, but you in the spirit. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So this is uh, my last sermon before I leave uh, for Denver. Um, and next week will be uh, Chrissy and I's last uh, week here at Axe. And uh, I just want to thank you guys so much for the past three years that you guys have, have blessed us with. And um, just for how God has worked in and through each and every one of you guys and the interactions that we've had. And I'm just so thankful for um, all the ministry that we got a chance to be able to do together and, and all the fun. And so I just want to say thank you guys. Um, and I'm excited to be able to dive deeper into this sermon series that we're starting. So enough about me. Uh, let's get into talking about Jesus. Um, we're going to be starting a new sermon series. Uh, it is uh, called Corinth, Texas, which is an actual place. Jeremy, can you turn down my mic just a hair, please? Um, Corn, Texas is an actual place, but uh, the thought process behind this, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Josh, was that uh, Corinth and the culture behind it is similar to some of the culture that we are experiencing. And so we're going to be going through week after week uh, talking about 1 Corinthians. We're going to go through the whole book. And so we're going to be talking about uh, the context today. And then each week after that, Pastor Josh is going to be talking about a different topic that Paul mentions and talks about to the rest of the church in Corinth. Uh, this is known as an epistle or a letter that is written to the church uh, in Corinth. And uh, you might ask this question, why? Why is this important for us to be able to study uh, 1 Corinthians, a letter that was, that was passed down from generation to generation, from church to church? And uh, there are kind of two ways that we can kind of look at this. One is we can say, you know, that was like over a thousand years ago. That was a long time ago. This kind of has nothing to do with us. Like they didn't even have cell phones at the time. So like they couldn't even send an email or text message. And so why is this even relevant to us? Because some of the things that are mentioned in there may not actually apply to what's happening here at Acts Church Leander. And on the other hand, we can, we can go the other way, right? We can say this is, this is so important to us that this continues to reflect all the things that are happening in our culture, in our church, in our community as well. And it's true. These, these topics apply to us regularly, right? These topics that we're going to talk about, which we'll, I'll give you guys a list of some of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, they have relevance to us. But it's easy to say that the reason why we read these old letters to another church is because they have similar topics that we struggle with today. Because a lot of the topics that we kind of deal with when it comes to things like marriage or sexual immorality or divisions, you know what we call that? We call that being human, right? We deal with this on a regular basis. And if the reason for the letters are simply that the topics apply to the church today, 
then what happens is that we've created a system of Christianity which just tells us to do better, right? We just create a system where Paul is just saying, hey, Christians, do better. And that is not the gospel message. And we become looking like the rest of the world. This actually has more implications for us as followers of Jesus than just some general certain topics that we wrestle with. Because the main three things that we are going to be talking about over the next few weeks and the main three things that the human condition wrestles with on a regular basis are these three up here. Money, sex, and power, right? If you look around at our world and all the different things that people are going through, if you look throughout time and and history, what we see is a lot of the topics, a lot of the wars, a lot of uh, disagreements happen with money or sex power. And it's not just on a, on a collective level, it's on an individual level as well. And my biggest argument for this is, uh, think back to the last argument that you had with your spouse, or your coworker, or a friend, or your kids. It probably had to do with one of these three things. Money, sex, or power. Now, it may not look like it on the surface, But if you look underneath a little bit deeper, you see that these kind of three ultimates, money, sex, and power, are things that the human condition struggle with. And this is not a bad thing, right? Money is not a bad thing, right? We can use it to to serve other people, to help other people, people coming out of poverty, people who desperately need something, right? We can use it to serve other people, and then we can also use it for bad things as well, right? Taking advantage of other people, right? Sex, in and of itself, is not a bad thing. It is a blessing that God has given to us in the context of marriage. And yet what we see all around the world is we see abuse of sex. Power, in and of itself, is not a bad thing. But when we use it for good, it's to use to serve other people. And when used poorly, it changes nations, right? It changes marriages changes work relationships, right? These things are not bad things in and of themselves. In fact, they all come from God. It's just the way that we use them, right? And so what we're going to be talking about and focusing on is that Paul touching on these three things, on money, sex, and power. And what Paul is trying to do in this letter to the Corinthians is that Paul is urging the church to see that the world's ways are not what Christ has called us to. Right? And the way that they use money, sex, and power is not what Christ has called us to use these three, three things for. And we're going to be talking more about those as we get into the context of 1 Corinthians. Okay, so what is Corinthians all about? We have uh, a church that's in Corinth, not Texas, Corinth, on the other side of the world. And Paul is going on his second missionary journey. So Paul is Uh, He receives a message from Christ. He was this Pharisaical Jew. He gets this word from Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and scales fall from his eyes, and he believes in Jesus. He's baptized. He's strengthened. And then he goes out and starts preaching the message of Jesus to people who are Jewish, people who are not Jewish, people who are close to God and far away from God as well. And so as he's doing this, he's planting churches and starting these house church communities who worship Jesus on a regular basis, and he's hopping to different towns and cities to preach the message of Jesus. And then he comes to Corinth. Corinth, during that time, was still under Roman occupation. 
And one of the things about Corinth is uh, it was a bustling city. Like, there was a lot that was happening. And one of the reasons why it was such a crazy, like, busy city was in between, or sorry, on each side of Corinth, there were two harbors. And if you know more than me about economics and trade and commerce, you probably know this. When there's two harbors, there's a lot of trade routes that happen throughout the city, which means that there's a lot of economic growth there, right? And in order for the economy to grow, we need jobs, and so people are flocking to the city because there's a lot that's happening in the city and there's a need for people to work there. And when there's people that are working and are making money, there's usually a time when there's upward mobility, right? And it's an attractive place for people to be able to flock to and to go. And so a lot of people want to be a part of this. They want to get in on this. So you have people who are running to Corinth and wanting to move in and be there and to grow it's an economic advantage for people. And so when you have that, you have people who are Jewish that come, you have people who are Greek, you have people that are Roman, you have immigrants that start coming, and not just ethnically different, but you also have socially different, you also have economically different, people who are rich, people who are poor, people who are free, people who are slaves, families, and what happens? What happens when you get a bunch of people who are different, who have different backgrounds, who have different experiences, and they come together to be in a city? What often happens is that people who have similar interests find each other, right? If you look around uh, in Leander or Cedar Park or Round Rock, Liberty Hill, Marble Falls, wherever you come from, right, there are different pockets of different people who are celebrating their culture in a very specific way, right? People who speak the same language as each other, people who eat the same food, people who have different music tastes, and on top of that, you have people who are different religion as well. And so with that, Corinth is a place that is filled with a lot of diversity, not just ethnically, not just economically, but also spiritually as well. And so you start to see these temples start to come up, right? You get to see all these different worship places begin to come up. And what's a little bit different than our culture to theirs is, well, maybe not different. Um, it was a very polytheistic culture, which means people worshiped many gods. So, like, think of it like um, Chipotle. Any of you guys eat Chipotle? Oh, man, I love Chipotle. I'm going to use this analogy, and you can take it or leave it. Um, it's kind of like if you were to go into Chipotle, and uh, you have so many options, right? There's no, like, number one, number two with a side of pickles or whatever, right? You get to choose, like, do you want, do you want a taco? Do you want a burrito? Do you want a, a bowl? Do you want a salad? Do you want quesadillas? Why do you want quesadillas? And so you start going through this list, and it's like, okay, what do you want? Do you want brown rice? Do you want white rice? Do you want rice with cilantro? Do you want steak? Do you want chicken? Do you want chorizo? You can choose whatever you want. Right? And as you're online, you look to your left and to your right, and you realize that the people next to you are not getting the same thing. Right? Corinth was kind of like that in a religious sense. It was a religious Chipotle, as you will. Right? Where people were worshiping other gods, and here's the thing. People were not getting offended that you were worshiping other gods. They were like, cool. Like, hey, if I need to go and go to the goddess of fertility and offer worship there, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get a scoop of that. If I'm going to go over to the God of the sun and I'm going to pray for really good weather, right? I'm going to go to whatever God and get my own helping of whatever this might look like 
And so most of the culture in Corinth was, was polytheistic, besides two different groups, besides Jewish people who claimed monotheism, and then this, this kind of new thing that was happening called the way, the church, Christians, little Christs, worshiping the one true God. So, so Paul steps into Corinth, and he's seeing all of this culture. And uh, if you guys want to read more about it, I encourage you guys to go to Acts 18. But he steps in to the city, and uh, first place he goes to is he goes to a Jewish synagogue, right? And then he starts sharing the message of Christ and trying to encourage people to follow after Jesus. But what happens is that when you go to a place that's filled with a Chipotle-like religion and spirituality, and people come to Christ, they want to accept Jesus, but they still also want to follow after other gods. Because the reality is that people want Christ without change. And that actually might be more true to us than ever before, right? People want Christ without the change, without the transformation that God does in and through us over and over. So Paul comes and he plants a church and he starts going off and he starts sharing the message and the people of God are gathered together and then he leaves. And so then we get a a letter, 1 Corinthians, which actually is the second letter that Paul writes. We don't have records of the first letter that he writes. But a lot of the times the... um, The letter, the topics that are included are usually things that are going on in the city or questions that the church has about the city or about faith, okay? So here's a list of some of the things that uh, is going to be talked about. So tribalism or divisions, things like sexual immorality, things like marriage, food offered to idols, church conduct, and the resurrection, Right? If, if we want to be able to be changed by who God is and who Christ is as the one true God, how do we then live a life in a community together with all these different things that's surrounding us in our culture that's telling us to follow otherwise? How do we get out of this spiritual Chipotle, right? I'm using that metaphor way too much because I'm hungry. Um, the <laughs> So, so people are asking, like, how do we deal with this when we're dealing with so much division where people are saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Christ, or I follow Peter. With all these different divisions, how do we make sense of all of this? When things like sexual immorality, how do we care for our bodies in a way that honors Christ? Questions from the church in Corinth that people might have on marriage. What does it look like to uh, be in a right, honoring, God-honoring marriage? Food offered to idols, when I, con- when I connect with other people and I share the message of Christ and people are eating things that are offered to idols, how do I deal with that, Paul? Church conduct, how do we function as a church together? What does that look like for us when we gather together on a regular basis? And what does the resurrection look like? What, it- what happens to my body when I die? Okay, so we're going to dive into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you guys have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, very beginning 1 through 9. Because I think that these topics have something more to do than just saying, hey, be a better person. These topics have more to say than just saying, hey, here's how to function as a church. And Paul says it explicitly with some kind of reoccurring language that happens in the beginning of 1 Corinthians. So open up 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 9. It's in your New Testament, second half of your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you on your phone to go ahead and open up to it. 
Okay, here we go. Paul called. I want you to underline that word called. I was going to make a joke that this was the first Better Call Saul episode. Anyways, that hit better than I thought. Um, Called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called, underline called, to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call, underline, on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was very specific about when he used this word called. Paul received a message from Jesus himself to be called to be an apostle and his past was not a very good track record. Paul was persecuting Christians who were believing in the resurrection of Jesus and he was trying to silence them and he receives this call that changes his life. And now what he's saying in this letter, he says, Paul, I've been called by Jesus himself to y'all, the church in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified, being made holy, being washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Everything that has been called has been through the blood of Jesus himself and called to be his holy people. So Paul is called, and now y'all are called. And then he says, I want you to go out to those who have yet to be called and those who will call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him, for in him, in Christ, you have been enriched in every way. Not in Corinth, in Christ you have been enriched in every way. With all kinds of speech and all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is it. God is faithful who has, what's that word? Called. Go ahead and underline that. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It doesn't sound like a big deal. But Paul is saying, remember your calling, church. Look around at the rest of the world that deals with money, sex, and power. Y'all are, y'all are called to a higher standard than that. And I want you to live that out. And to use these things that God has given to us in every way spiritual gifts, the work of the Spirit for good, for the good of the city, for the good of the people, for the good of those who have yet to call upon the name of Jesus. The, the way that you're acting needs to be in a way that honors our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and that's important too, right? We can hear that. But there's another level, level that's a little bit deeper than that. Paul is strongly convicted that these people in Corinth that are surrounded by a city that is struggling to, to live out a life that honors God 
in a community that wants to put laws up and, and worship other gods and seek after abuse of money, abuse of power, and abuse of sex. And, and there's a deeper conviction that Paul has for the church. If you would, I would invite you guys to uh, turn to the book of Acts. So go back. Book of Acts, a couple of books. Acts chapter 18. And there's something that happens specifically with Paul. So Paul comes from Athens into Corinth, steps into the city. He's preaching the word of God. He's inviting people into a relationship with Jesus, baptizing uh, families, including kids and babies and households. The house church starts to grow. People are getting connected. And it's a great thing. And Paul is receiving some feedback from people in the city because he's causing a disruption, right? He's causing a disruption to the Roman Empire. He's causing a disruption to a lot of the trade. People are turning away from their lives and wanting to follow after Jesus. And so after a moment, it's probably exhausting for Paul to be able to continue to do ministry. But then this is what happens. In Acts 18, verse 9, I want you guys to look along. 9 through 11, it says this. One night, he's in Corinth now. One night. The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Jesus says this, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack or harm you. Because, and I want you guys to underline this, because I have many people in this city. And Paul's reaction is this. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Now, 18 months doesn't seem like a long time. Maybe for those that have newborns, maybe that's a long time. But this was probably one of the longest stints that Paul has had with the church. He receives a message from Jesus, and he says these words. Jesus says, I have many in this city who are my people. I, I have many in Corinth who are my people. Jesus says, I have many in Leander who are my people. There are people in Cedar Park who belong to me. There are people that don't know me yet in Liberty Hill who belong to me. There are people in Round Rock who are mine. There are people in Austin, Austin, who belong to me. And Paul's reaction is to stay in the city and to share the love of Jesus. He has been called by Jesus himself for those to call upon the name of our Lord and Savior. To, to rescue them from the abuse of money, sex, and power that the rest of our culture is struggling with. For people in your neighborhoods who desperately need to hear the love of Jesus, who are in this constant, vicious cycle of going back to their own desires, who just need to know your name, 
and to know that you're a follower of Jesus. There are people right outside these doors who have yet to hear, to yet to call upon the name of Jesus, that Jesus says, they're mine. They're my people. I've been blessed to be here for the past three years, to work with each and every one of you guys, and to have a lot of fun and do ridiculous videos. Um, Jesus is calling you guys here in Leander, in your neighborhoods, and in your communities, because Jesus says there are people who are mine. As I was working on this uh, sermon this, this week, I was talking with Pastor Josh, and um, he's like, AJ, I have one task for you. I'm like, okay, don't get fired. Yeah, I know. Um, he's like, no, I actually, want you to, I actually want you to write a letter to Acts Church Leander. It's kind of last words for your last sermon. Um, so I did it in a, I wrote a letter. You guys want to hear it? Okay, um, yeah, let's go ahead and read it. It's going to be on the screens for you guys to read along. And I, I really do hope that uh, these are words that Jesus has given to me, to you guys, because it took me a, a long time to really pray about this. A.J. Vega, that's me, um, called as a disciple of Christ Jesus by God's will. To Acts Church Leander, those loved by God and called as saints in Leander and beyond. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I give you thanks for these past three years of ministry. I've never felt more love from a church that seeks to follow Jesus out in their community, families, and workplaces. Christ lives among each and every one of you, and together as you have been called to be equipped, sent, and blessed. Continue to love one another as a reflection of who Christ is toward the community and in your homes. Never doubt that God is doing a mighty work in this church, individually and collectively. There's been one thing that the Spirit has given me to pass on to you as I leave for Denver. I pray that these words God has spoken through me to you. Community is a byproduct of mission. For the past three years, we have worked hard to create community after those hard few years of COVID with online worship, masks, multiple services, and social distancing. Y'all remember that. We have done summer survival kits for kids and families to grow in relationship with Jesus, acts groups, worshiped outdoors for months while keeping an online platform for those far and distant, and did all we could to bring the message of Christ to you and your families. What I have learned from you that I hope you remember is that community is the fruit of mission. There is a continual drive for community among churches that seek to define community as people coming together to know one another. However, I am more convinced that each day that the American church defines community as togetherness. Christ has not called us simply to togetherness, but toward Christian community that reflects him. The only way to accomplish this is not to aim for community, but rather mission. Community is the byproduct of mission. So then, 
what is the mission of Acts? What drives you to show up Sunday after Sunday to church, to be with people that you might see once or twice a week, to have your kids gather together during the sermon, to answer the morning show question, thank you by the way, to show up to sending Sundays ready to serve and to take communion to those to your right and left. What is it that drives you, Acts Church Lander? There are over 800 churches in the Austin area. Out of every single one of those churches, you ended up at Acts. Why? I fully believe that you did not choose Acts on your own, but God has called you here. Every single one of you. Just as I was called to Acts three years ago from Memphis, Tennessee, you were called to be here. It's easy for others around to choose what church they want to attend. However, I truly believe that Acts is unique in that we choose Acts and are called here too. My question for you is to ask the question, why? Mission is seeking the answer to the question, why? Community becomes the fruit that grows from mission. Take what Jesus says to Paul as you read 1 Corinthians. I have many in this city who are my people. And Paul's reaction was to stay in that city for 18 months as he sought Jesus' people. Paul put the mission before community and he planted a church in Corinth. I wonder what Jesus could do through Acts Church Leander. So what now, Acts? What would it look like to be in your city and to share the message of Jesus as the mission over community? Jesus has called you here for a reason. Jesus has a mission for each of you and for all of you together. Seek mission over community and community will follow. Seek mission in your neighborhoods and community will follow. Seek Jesus calling for your life in your workplace and community will follow. Seek Christ as you pour into your children and community will follow. Seek the one who sought you first and the kingdom will flourish. Seek first Christ and his kingdom and these things will be added to you. I look forward to seeing you as the kingdom becomes filled with people from Acts Church, Leander, and beyond. I love you. Jesus loves you too. May God strengthen you in Christ by his spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for Paul and for his letter to the church in Corinth. And the reality that so many of us struggle with, the topics that we'll be learning about and reading about in this book together. Jesus, despite those that are struggling, you have called us here to Acts Church Lander. Lord, these are your people, and you say there are many in this city, in Leander, Cedar Park, Round Rock, Liberty Hill, Austin, that belong to you. 
Jesus, I pray that as we seek out this mission that you have called Acts to, Lord, that you would continue to provide fruit of community around. Jesus, I pray that as we read 1 Corinthians, that your spirit would speak to us, not just individually, but collectively as your church. As we seek to live out the message and the mission that you have given to us. Jesus, I thank you for these three years of being together, and Lord, I pray that your spirit will continue to dwell in this place as they go out to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching those that you love to observe everything that you have commanded us, and to be reassured that you are with us always to the very end of the age. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that has been poured upon Acts Church Leander as they reflect you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.